Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I am Jason Snell. We are talking about season, series, whatever, 11, it's Jodie Whittaker season, episode two, The Ghost Monument. And joining me to talk about this episode, first time on a Doctor Who Flashcast, although she's been on many others, including all the Voltron episodes of TV. It's Shannon Sutterth. Hello. <laughs> Hola, frikis. Uh, you are now, so you, your husband's a huge Doctor Who fan. You, I've talked to him many times. You mm-hmm. kind of took a knee during the Stephen Moffat era, right? <laughs> You're like, I, I'm just going to walk away for a while and think yeah, the happy there, thoughts. There was a bit of that. I, I was not uh, into the fandom during the classic era. Uh, Chip was the one who asked me to start watching with him in 2005 when they rebooted it with Chris Eccleston. And I was very on board for a long time. And I tried Stephen Moffat. I gave it like a season and a half. And then midway through Matt Smith's second season, it just sort of hit me that I don't really care about these characters the way I should. And that's a sign that maybe I should like stop watching uh, rather I, I, than get irritated. I, you know, in fan circles, I, I say this a lot and I think it doesn't go over well in some fan circles because people want to be angry and people do hate watches mm-hmm. and things like that. But I really feel like there's a fundamental thing, which is if you're not enjoying it, you shouldn't keep subjecting yourself to it. Like just walk away. Exactly. There's more stuff like right. don't do this to yourself. Don't don't be like, oh, it's so terrible. Stop watching it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you're giving uh, your back for uh, for for new showrunner and new doctor who so you're back yes. with it for now for now you never know but uh is it going well so far though that's a little two please. for two spoiler all right all right uh <laughs> yeah so um we'll, we'll i'll walk through i took some notes while we were watching mm-hmm. um uh we'll, we'll break it down i my overall like thing so i i assume two for two so you know thumbs up to this episode for you as well yes. as last time um i I feel like with this episode and the last one, I feel the same about both of them, which is um, I like lots of things in them, but mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure that I can give like a, a, a completely unreserved thumbs up because there are other things in them that I was like, hmm, okay, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But like the, the good stuff was really good. And right. and I, that leaves me with a lot of hope for this. And as my as my wife said to me, uh, as we watched this, when it was done, I said, so how was that? And she said, she said it was good. It was Doctor Who. And I think, yes, mm-hmm. that is, in fact, I kind of wonder if at the beginning of an era for showrunner and doctor alike, if the most important thing to do is to get people to say, that's Doctor Who. Like, just like, don't worry, it's it's Doctor Who, right? It's the show you know, right? It's got all the mm-hmm. parts that you're used to, right? Like, there's a reassuring feeling about that. And yeah. I definitely got that out of this episode. Like, this is Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I would agree. And that uh, you are very right that it's important, uh, especially in this era, it feels like, um, because... Partly because the episodes, there's there's not these long, huge serials like there were in classic series where you had to watch like, you know, four, six, ten, eighteen episodes to get the story. Um, so you've got, a, you know, a very short amount of time to show people. Yes, this is still, you know, has all the things that you love about Doctor Who. And it for me, it certainly felt um, similar to, you know, Regeneration and then next episode, um pairs that we've had before Mm. in the modern era. Um, I remember, you know, how both David Tennant in The Christmas Invasion and Matt Smith in The Eleventh Hour, you know, there was just almost this sort of maniacal 
energy to both of them because, you know, on the one hand, they're trying to solve this massive problem to save whatever, um, you know, the planet. And then on the other hand, they're still regenerating and trying to figure out, okay, who am I now? And we got that, I think, last week with the woman who fell to Earth. Uh, and then the follow-up episode tends to be something for me, more from the companion's viewpoint, especially mm. when it's a new companion, figuring out what the heck's going on. So this episode felt a lot to me like um, Matt Smith's The Beast Below. Um, in and, that, it and was I'm more not a fan Annie. of that episode. I'd say this is way better than that episode, but, well, yeah, but I get, and, it's trying to do the same thing, right? Right. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, it's the same idea. And for me, this definitely worked much better um, than the Beast Below. Uh, seeing how the companions are reacting to being mm-hmm. thrown on this, you know, distant. Well, first thrown into space and scooped to, you know, all of a sudden they're okay and they're on ships and they're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Where's the other half of the team? I thought that was really interesting that they split them up briefly at first. And then they're all on this planet trying to figure out what the heck is going on and following the only people who seem to know what's going on because it's the only option they have. Uh, and I really liked the shift from the doctor. She kind of knows who she is now, and she's busy trying to solve the problems. The companions are just following and trying to apply what knowledge they have to the situation. Uh, I really liked the bits where, you know, Ryan goes charging out, you know, video game style, because that's what you do. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then here's Graham thinking like, it's a mach- it's an engine. I can fix engines. I know what I'm doing. And okay, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. I liked those approaches that we see how these companions react now that they're in a typical Doctor Who situation. I like your view of them as almost like a pair. Uh, and I've been sitting here thinking about that like the first and second episodes in this case very much so you have a new doctor mm-hmm. doesn't know who they are and um the uh the turf is even though it's an alien and so it's weird to the 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 soon to be companions soon to be friends yeah, the friends right i'm still doing that too it's their town right like it's mm-hmm. their it's their turf and the doctor right. doesn't know who in, in in the woman who found the story she doesn't know who she is she's figuring it out they're figuring out who she is but they're like on their turf and the new worlds is open to them this episode is absolutely the reverse right which mm-hmm. is the doctor knows who she is she's done this before she's figuring it out they're in space for the first time on a spaceship for the first time on a planet for the first time they get all of those things like right, right out of the gate and they don't know about they've never seen the doctor have it together in, in a you know in a planet somewhere figuring alien stuff out they're seeing right. it for the She's first still, time yeah she, and she's still brand new to them as well yeah so. yeah so they've never seen her like in action they've never seen the doctor in action classic action yet so it mm-hmm. is it is the flip side of that which i think actually feeds into that original uh, premise that i threw out there which is one of the jobs is to say this is doctor who both to mm-hmm previous viewers who are reassured and i suppose right for new viewers to say mm-hmm. this is the show you're watching is we're going to do stuff like this this is the kind of thing you're going to get you're going to get spaceships you're going to get aliens you're going to get robots you're going to have mm-hmm. running there's lots of yeah. they're going to be running through lots corners, of running. and there's going to be you know th- th- that's this is the tone that we're setting it, this is the kind of show that you're you're seeing and mm-hmm. um and Again, even though there were parts of it where I was like, hmm, okay, whatever, like, I appreciate not only were there a, b- a bunch of stuff that I liked, but I also appreciate that it, this episode is doing a job, just like the first episode is doing a job. You can't just, um, 
you can pick up where you left off, but then you're leaving everybody behind uh, mm-hmm. who might want to come on board. And uh, right. the, the show, the, you know, they don't want to do that for this new, this is the start of a new journey. So, um, mm-hmm. uh let me step through stuff that happens and okay. we can we can and stop me at any point uh if there's stuff that you want to talk about because okay. it's just you know people presumably have watched the episode so we're not gonna yeah that's spoilers not our, that's not our job <laughs> our job is just to sort of like talk about the stuff that strikes me so so um they are near desolation the final planet which they're like what does that mean and it turns out mm-hmm. that actually i i like that that it would be a very um russell t davis thing to be like oh the final planet and this is the last right. planet that existed and all that no it's the end of a race it's like yeah. a, the amazing race in space uh and this is the end this is the last leg of that Mm -hmm. race between angstrom and epso the two people who have the spaceships that you know each pick up kind of half they think they're getting a bonus because that happened Mm -hmm. earlier in the game which i think is a really nice approach at the end of last week's episode my my family all discussed what we thought would happen and i did Uh suggest a hitchhiker's guide style getting picked up by a passing spaceship thing which is Mm -hmm. which is scientifically ridiculous but well, it's, yeah. it's delightful right it's just like and it's oh. doctor who and it's doctor who is right it's not it the hardest of science all the time. yeah exactly right so <laughs> they end up we get we get some uh action on spaceships rattly broken down old school as the doctor says at one point mm-hmm. spaceships and uh that leads to uh, one of them crashing and one of them landing on uh on a desert you know sandy alien world which is this Mm -hmm. world of desolation and um, my notes here are um i thought the landed spaceship looked great Mm -hmm. Um, i laughed that they were running away from a crashing spaceship in the direction it was coming, which right, is yeah. very much <laughs> yeah, like Chip Prometheus. Chip pointed that out, too. It's like, right. run, run, that, run at an angle. But D- what, does no one understand? But what <laughs> made me laugh was they were in a trench. So it's like the, the makers of the show were like, well, uh-huh. we can't just have them on flat ground because they would be stupid. So we'll put them in a trench so they don't have any other so options. They'd have to try to climb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the larger point here is it, it looks so good. Like, I know yeah. I say this almost every year, but I feel like in the Moffat era, they tried very hard to make it look like a film it looked way better than it did when they went to hd the way they shot mm-hmm. the, the show it looked better and i said at that time doctor who's never looked better well i gotta say it again they upped the game here and it's not just that they you know they changed this the uh the aspect ratio whatever they mm-hmm. I, I roll my eyes at that a little bit like we want it to be more cinematic okay whatever but it looks great like it's absolutely more cinematic i mean there uh, were times you know they pointed out like the use of like crane shots the, the and crane stuff in the outdoors shots, last yeah. week and we get you know shots this week that here i am going like okay did they actually like build that stuff and crane shot it or is that cgi like the ruins and you know and the spaceship and things like that but either way it looks incredible yeah yeah they you can see either they're spending more money again uh, because they mm-hmm. want to launch the show and sometimes that happens where they spend more money in the first couple of episodes right. to make you impressed and then they're like okay we are out of money now but it <laughs> looks great either they're spending money or they've gotten much better at making things look expensive that aren't but mm-hmm. it looks so widescreen dramatic uh that desert stuff which they shot in south africa like okay. it looks so good and i mean it's not the same you know mountains that we see every time or hills we see every time in every show that's Mm -hmm. shot in wales right it is so different and interesting and if and it feels like an alien planet i mean right that that i love that that is one of the things i absolutely love about this whole episode is that it looks great and Mm -hmm. and feels yeah yeah cinematic in a way that that doctor who's never i mean never felt this cinematic before i think 
Yeah, and the corners they cut, I, it's like you can't really tell. Um, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm shamelessly cribbing from my husband. I overheard him and Alyssa recording Twit earlier. It's a crossover. Uh, for this week, <laughs> yes. Um, but Chip pointed out that, you know, when they are, like, down in the tunnels and they get to a point where the doctors, she finds a locked door. It's like, oh, I love a locked door. And she whips out the Sonic and unlocks it. They don't actually show the door. They, like, you right. know, there's no need to spend money to, to show her unlocking some kind of fancy door. Yeah, I noticed um, that, too. It's like that so, we don't, you know, we don't that. Tricks like the, that. the other the other trick that I noticed is oh where is it there's there's a moment where they run um they run off screen oh it's it's uh, when they get on the boat they the, at mm-hmm. the end of the boat they wake up Ryan and say come on uh, we you got to get out of the boat and the next shot is everybody walking along the beach right. and it's like we're not going to show people getting off of a boat that's way right. too complicated <laughs> and expensive <laughs> yeah. and we're just going to you know and through omission like that some of it more obvious than others but that is a smart way to save money too is make yeah. things look big when you need them and then be judicious about cutting out the stuff that is not actually uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not worth it. Um, there's also a whole universal translator explanation that happens that's kind of cute because, yeah. uh, you know, ner- nerds who know about Doctor Who are, are making the show and they're like, they know that people are going to be like, but why can they understand them? And you can't say it's right. a gift to the TARDIS because we haven't, we haven't realize that the TARDIS is there yet and so she mm-hmm. has to say well oh you got implanted it's pretty much standard procedure by the medical bots so that everybody mm-hmm. can understand each other and I, I appreciated the hand waving there I appreciated yeah. just like it, it lets her explain how the galaxy works to people who've never traveled before and that's I feel like the real character reason for that scene but I liked it mm-hmm. yeah um, let's see so we learn that this is a space rally they're the last two contestants. Everybody else has fallen out. That we we mm-hmm. we could kind of have figured that out with some of the dialogue because they're like, oh, where's this guy? Oh, well, you know, he didn't make it. He crashed. And I'm like, yeah. oh, and I we picked these up. I thought we get bonuses. You got bonuses too. No, it doesn't work that way. Like, but then it gets laid mm-hmm. out. We get a, like there's a hologram tent where there's a rich guy who says, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're the last to arrive. I'm sorry to tell you, you've been eliminated from the race. No, that doesn't happen. It's not the amazing race. Um, but the next, <laughs> it, it it is like basically one of them is going to get a ride off the planet. Uh, and be the winner, and the other one isn't. Although, as far as I know, there is another. There is that other spaceship that didn't crash that could probably. Although I guess she said it was running out of fuel or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it had landed. That, that, right, but but we have not, no idea what the situation was. Whether true. they could take off again. So yeah. things are dire. The doctor and yeah. her friends are irrelevant to this conversation. Mm-hmm. She keeps trying to insert herself in the guy. The rich guy just keeps kind of ignoring her. Yes. Although ultimately, he does allow her. He says they're going to race to the ghost monument. And mm-hmm. uh, it appears only once every thousand days, and that's one of those hmm moments, right? Where yeah. I think that's I think that's the moment where the doctor's like, okay, that sounds like a recurring time phenomenon, and I thought the TARDIS was going to be here. So that could you show Let's me what this. that looks like? Yeah, yeah. And something I loved once um, they started establishing exactly the framework of the race, I really liked the fact that they had these really contrasting personalities between the last two contestants. You had, um, I think Ebzor was the just out and out mercenary, uh, in it for himself and no other. Yeah. And then, um, you had, um, Angstrom. Angstrom, who joined this race in hopes of earning enough money to help her family. Uh, so I really like that the, the personalities, even among the guests, the guests, uh, characters, um, yeah. were in play and, um, made for, uh, extra interesting interactions. Yeah, they are, um, they do have different worldviews that, that have gotten them to this point. She 
is Angstrom is trying to get money to save her friends and and family who are in hiding or on the run. This turns out to be skipping ahead a little bit, but this turns mm-hmm. out to be part of what is uh is the season after two episodes it's hard to tell but presumably a season long yeah. arc because I, it is revealed agree. that it's the stenza who t- we met tim shaw in the last episode right. who was a warrior who w- was hoping to rule the stenza by hunting somebody on earth and it turns out that angstrom's people were um their their planet was taken over and they mm-hmm. were they, everything was ruined by the stenza they so right. it, this, surely this cannot be a coincidence yeah, I, I, that that flag got raised pretty. For anyone who has watched previous Doctor Who episodes, this seems to be a trail of crumbs leading somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and that also leads to a good uh, line that I really enjoyed, which is um, at several points we have Graham. You know, we have the same interaction as last time between uh, Graham and Ryan, where mm-hmm. he's like, "Don't you want to call me Grandpa?" And no, I don't, and I'm not yeah. your son. And there's obviously, you know, there's they've got their history and they've got tension there, and and you know, it, it, it it's. It doesn't feel like it progresses a whole lot, but it is. It, they want to remind us that that's an issue. I do really yeah. like that line when the stenza comes up, where where you know it's not all about Ryan, uh, we, mm-hmm. and and it feels to me like sometimes it's all about their relationship with each other. Um, we do have that moment where we we say, "What what would your grand do in a situation mm-hmm. like this?" Which I really liked that they brought her yes. back, and they yes. say there's been a lot of talk, including on other podcasts uh, that are Doctor Who related, about the fact that that um, her death grace's death in the first episode is technically a fridging in the sense that it is a a woman in this case a a black Mm -hmm. woman who is killed for the benefit of the character progression of other characters who are both men in the case Mm of of uh of graham and ryan i have to say that I, i agree with that but what has made me less upset about it perhaps is that they show her funeral they show that mm-hmm. people are upset by it it is not right. a meaningless loss and even in this episode it comes up several times not only talking about what would she do in a situation like this because she's almost their 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 uh, guiding light about like right. how do we behave as adventurers is be like grace but mm-hmm. there's also the line where he says when he hears about the stenza he says my wife died because of them to mm-hmm. which angstrom says mine too yeah yeah. And I think, uh, and yeah, I'm not quite ready to declare Grace's death as a fridging because I think there's more to it coming. Yeah. I'm, wait- I'm going to wait and see what happens before I say for sure that this was a writing mistake, because at the moment, I'm not sure it is. I think there's more to it. I also think there's more. I think one of the things, you know, we talked about sort of the plot arc. I also think one of the important character arcs is going to be Ryan and Graham eventually arriving at that closer relationship Absolutely. that Graham really wants so badly. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, this this is because we don't know the whole shape of the story. There are mm-hmm. a couple of different ways of judging it. I, I totally understand why people are upset by Grace's death. Um, mm-hmm. I was yeah. also bothered by it because it felt arbitrary, which actually feeds into what you're saying, which is yeah. that it feels like it's not only arbitrary, but like they did it because they want to tell a story that required her to die there mm-hmm. but it didn't you know i didn't think it was set up very well and her sacrifice wasn't as clear as yeah. it could have been but it's a little bit like with bill and the cybermen in the last mm-hmm. season where right. there was there was a similar you may you may or may not know because you may or not have seen it but i'm th- a, i'm aware yeah there was a similar <laughs> thing where bill is turned into a cyberman and mm-hmm. 
it's very upsetting because it is a woman of color who has had right. and, and and a uh, and a lesbian woman of color, right? And she dies, and there's like the barrier gaze trope, and there's so many different things going on there. And I, the moment it happened, I was like, yeah, I see that. Also, though, as a Doctor Who Who viewer and an educated mm-hmm. television viewer of many, many things, I look at that and I'm like, well, yeah, but they're going to undo it. Like, so, it, yeah, so it's hard is... for me to get as upset as one that's intentionally yeah. permanent, as one that's very obviously going to be undone. But I get that there, there are two ways to look at that. And mm-hmm. one of them is big picture of like where the narrative goes. And one of them is in the moment, what did you do? And it's basically you mm-hmm. mutilated and killed a uh, gay woman of color. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not sure that those, that those two are necessarily going to wind up being compare, comparative when all is said and done. Yeah. Uh, there's too much timey-wimey in Doctor Who to necessarily assume that Grace is gone forever. Yeah, me thinks we'll that Chris Chibnall protests too much. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the it would be a very Moffaty thing to do, and, mm-hmm. and, and yet I think maybe that's part of the game that Chris Chibnall is playing. Also, mm-hmm. a very Russell T. Davis thing to do would be to lace little references to things that have happened in previous episodes, like the stenza mm-hmm. on here. So I think whether, whether the stenza is a big bad of this season, or whether there's a storyline that leads through to some other end it does feel mm-hmm. like there's a there's some connective tissue that's being built already yeah because uh, i think yeah. if this was still torchwood which chibnall had a very big hand in right. you know there they were not afraid when necessary to kill off characters um because True. it was a different show it was a different feel uh there was no doctor to come in and save everybody um but you know now this is doctor who this is you know family oriented tv it's yeah. a different audience so i could see the possibility of Chibnall doing something uh, to uh, bring Grace back in some way. Yeah, I, I, I could too. We'll, we'll just have yeah. to keep our eye on it. Uh, yeah. But I did, I did like the fact that her death is still has still has ramifications is still right. making people sad and that she is still an inspiration um right. i think that's all that's all good like if you're going to do this and you're going to kill off that character that charismatic interesting character in the first episode it has to have ramifications otherwise mm-hmm. it, you know it was not worth not worth the dramatic choice the narrative choice right. to do it right um got a got a uh, john pertwee reference <laughs> that yeah, happens exactly we have some venusian aikido that, that the made me does. laugh i i enjoyed that and, <laughs> yes. and and more broadly the doctor throughout this episode is making clear to her companions her stand on um guns and right and the use of violence she uses a venusian aikido which is very clever because it paralyzes but it doesn't harm and it's just mm-hmm. to calm things down and then later when ryan's like oh, i can get this big laser gun and go shoot them she's like no, right. no, no those are never the right solution use your brain and that is as doctory not i'm not saying the yeah. doctor doesn't use guns it, it has happened it will happen again or weapons or, yeah. or weapons of some as, kind but yeah. as a principle of like what you should go to you know what's the first thing you should do it's like use your brains Mm-hmm. Don't just pick up a gun and go fire it off. And so we get yeah. in, in in very much a statements of, pr- of principles that this is the doctor and it's the doctor we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and just to make it so blatant, because you know, the her anti-gun manifesto is followed by Ryan going out and yeah, he shoots all of the robot sen- sentinels and then realizes, guess what? They get back up again. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so, the you know, his idea is useless. Which was a laugh out loud moment for me. He was like, where's yes. the reload? 
<laughs> and he yep. runs away and it's like it's harder than video games isn't it and he's like yeah, yeah. and, and my son turns watching around. next to Go me ahead. uh laughed and laughed at that whole thing it's like mm-hmm. call of duty and he's like oh dude and it was very much a moment of like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't know what show he's in does he <laughs> <laughs> right uh, um and then to turn it around and have the doctor as you said apply her brain apply science and figure out how to create the emp pulse that does mm. take them out for a longer period of time um which, you yeah. know, that's, you know, essentially a, a weapon as well, but it is a weapon that is not going to harm the people that she cares about, just, you know, the, the things that are after them. Yeah. Um, so, and this- then she t- turns around and uses science again, uh, when we have the flappy scarves of doom oh, yes. circulating. It's creepy and- paper fabric garbage monster yes. things, whatever they are. <laughs> whatever they are. And they find a way to burn them with, uh, a very precious, valuable cigar. Yes, that's right. Well, it is the, uh, yeah, the acetylene and, you know, it, it ignites and she's like, everybody get, you know, start mm-hmm. uh, digging and get down low and, and then we need the thing and then Graham throws it up there and the self-igniting mm-hmm. cigar and all that. And so again, using your brain, definitely yeah. a, a, uh, manifesto here for the show of like, this is, mm-hmm. this is doc, this is what Doctor Who is. Doctor Who is about a very smart person as she says, Oh, did I not mention I'm very smart? Uh, <laughs> And uh, solving problems with her mind and not resorting Mm -hmm. to violence. And, uh, you know, in the end, this story ends up being resolved with the two characters uh, stepping across together rather than dooming one of them to certain death. That is, I really liked that. Yeah, I really liked that because it calls back to the previous episode where she has the emphasis on fair play. Yeah, the. My my complaint about that scene is mm-hmm. that the doctor says I have a man make a suggestion, and I, I, I it's fine, but I kept thinking I would much rather that this adventure with the doctor had taught them to be better people enough that they mm-hmm. came to the idea themselves instead of having the doctor suggested off camera and have them apparently accepted off camera. And then we cut to them stepping in together and, and mm-hmm. being, I, I kind of wanted a little bit more of them yeah. figuring it out than having the doctor suggested. It's fine. But I, I, that was one of those points where I was like, ah, oh, wouldn't it have been better if Angstrom and episode yeah. both been like, I, I think that's sort of like time, you know, a time crunch issue. If it yeah. had been a two parter and there's a little more room for the two characters to, to grow be around <laughs> the doctor and, and the friends yeah, that shorthand for sure. Yeah. 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 there it's it's true it's true but it does yeah. it's very much like this is who the doctor is these are the mm-hmm. rules um it's it's uh I, I like that part of it um bullets meet bullets uh brains meet bullets mm-hmm. very much so um uh we got we got to check in on ryan and his uh ladder climbing ability because it's doctor who right <laughs> You're okay we're gonna have to climb a lot of ladders and she yeah well there's no bicycles around so yeah and she gives him yeah. there's that nice conversation which yeah. is like you're doing great um mm-hmm. and, and but it's it's not all just a pep talk it's right you're doing great uh you're on an alien planet you're climbing up ladders um you're doing a great job uh you got to do it now (laughs) there's there's that push at the end that i really like which is like we're being chased by these robot guard things and you need to climb the the ladder now yeah yeah that just that was an excellent balance in in that moment there because on the one hand we see that this doctor is much more I would like a better word than nurturing because nurturing is so gendered. Right. But I can't think of another one at the moment. Um, but yeah, she is very encouraging to Ryan. And then very quickly, you know, but on the other hand, circumstances, dude, let's go. Well, I feel like the doctor in all the inca- incarnations has a couple mm-hmm. different ways of interacting with 
companions. Mm-hmm. And there is the I'm a standoffish weirdo alien, but you're going to grow to love me. And there's the I'm not scary. Uh, you're doing great. Uh, mm-hmm. Go team. And the doctor over history has done both. And mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker's doctor, doctor with these three people is definitely doing the come on, you can do it. We're a team. Mm-hmm. We're, we're pals. Mm-hmm. I can I can help you out yeah. here. But I've seen both. Like David Tennant, I think, did both during mm-hmm. his era where he did some coaxing um, uh, yeah. torch or not torchwood, uh, Boomtown with uh, right. Christopher Eccleston is a good example where that, that there's like this super, uh, that's one of the reasons I like that episode is that it's super mm-hmm. team dynamic and Christopher Eccleston's doctor could be super grumpy, but um, you know, in that in that moment, you know, Mickey, mm-hmm. there's that there's that kind of begrudging respect with Mickey and Jack and Rose, and everybody's getting right. along, and so it, it, you know, I think so. I get I get your point that this is how she's approaching these uh, these people is trying to. I mean, she's the expert at this. This now she's mm-hmm. in her element, so she's like a good coach with Ryan. Basically, she's like, you're right. you're, you're doing great. You need to you need to go. You, we can't wait down here, but you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Give gives him a shot of confidence. It's yeah, some coaching about how to be an outer space hero that the doctor can provide. Yeah, she and and she is being very. <sighs> very loyal to them, very caring of them right away. She, Mm -hmm. you know, the minute they all are back together, she's just like, I'm going to get you guys home. I promise. I promise I'm going to get you home. Uh, And I'm sorry I messed this up, right? Like, I don't know what happened. That was not supposed to happen that way. Uh, I didn't mean to bring you. And I didn't mean to have us all get stuck in space. That was not good. Mm -hmm. But I promise that that we'll figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. And the sorry has such a different tone from a, a lot of the others. I mean, I, I can remember how at one point David Tennant's doctor got to the point where, you know, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. So sorry. But yeah, dude. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, this is half about you. And mm-hmm. for, for Jodie Whittaker's doctor, it's not about her. It's about the circumstances. And yes, she led them in here. But, you know, she's, you know, I'm, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to figure it out and fix mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and you get the sense, too, that I, I think you give the doctor more leeway at this point because it's early on. So there's also mm-hmm. that sort of like, I, you know, I am still figuring this out, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I promise my heart's in the right place and I'm going to, or my right. hearts are in the right place and I'm going to, I'm going to work this out in the end. Um, yeah. uh, and that sort uh, of feeds into that the wonderful wonderful bit at the end the reunion yes yes so before we get there the the okay. last moment with the guy the holographic tent guy yes uh, they 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 uh they step over together which is a nice moment um mm-hmm. and say it was a dead heat joint first you should just you know we'll split the prize money and you can give both of us a, a ride off of this rock and the mm-hmm. guy is like no never i'm gonna annul it it's not gonna count and another Interesting choice that I didn't love, but I thought was interesting is that um, rather than getting the doctor speech, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I am the oncoming storm. You will give these people their money and leave us and all that. Instead, right. Epso is like, listen, billionaire jerk who's right. super powerful and had this thing. You're going to just give us our money and say, say that we're the winners or I'm going to come and get you. And I thought that guy's super powerful and rich. 
and you're and you're like a guy who doesn't even have a ship. How are you threatening mm-hmm. him? I, I I'm not sure I really bought that that Epso had the ability to threaten this incredibly powerful mm-hmm. rich dude who he was yeah. desperately trying to get his money. Yeah. Um, I, it's fine, but it was one of those moments that did that kind of um clanked for me where I was like, okay, mm, you know, like it's easy. I it was one of those kind of easy outs, and I felt like I get why it happens because you need this mm-hmm. to be over, but yeah. um, I didn't believe that the power imbalance there would allow the one guy to to like also like sure he's a big strong guy and this other guy's wearing like a bathrobe but he's a hologram (laughs) there's no physical intimidation happening there either yeah i don't know i think two things uh strike me one i think they wanted to show that uh epso had not changed all that much because that that's a very Still you know tough guy. him thing to do, <laughs> um, you know even though he agreed to split the winnings and that sort of thing, um, and I also think that they weren't quite ready to put the doctor in that place because. She's still operating um, at a disadvantage because she doesn't have her TARDIS yet. I mean, right. they've managed to pull themselves together and get through all of the obstacles um, in the race on the planet, but you know at this point. Um, you know, she's still operating at a loss. So I, right. I can see why yeah. Chibnall might have chosen that. Yeah, yeah. She could have intimidated him potentially, but mm-hmm. it would have been a very different thing because she, she's hoping they want them to be disappointed when they uh, the, the winners leave and they're still stuck on the planet because right. it's then dramatic in that next scene where she's like, you know, if we stay here, we're not going to survive one rotation. Like, the, mm-hmm. this is a super deadly, dangerous right. place, and we're not going to make it out here. Which is, so talking about this last part, like, mm-hmm. there is that moment, and they call her on it later when they're inside the TARDIS, uh, where she seems um, downbeat. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the outside, I look at that and think, was she really downbeat, or is this an opportunity for the for a team-building exercise? Well, I, I think there was something to that. Um, there have been times before where the doctor, when they when, when he he's, has seen no way out, you know, has despaired, um, you know, specifically like, um, and of course, uh, it, no, hang on. Okay, I can't remember the, the title, but the Dickens episode with oh, Nine. Oh, uh, The Unquiet Dead. Unquiet Dead, thank you. Uh, also a second episode Rose, of a showrunner's yeah, era. Yeah, Right, or but no, the third, Ro- yeah. third episode, but yeah, early on. Early yeah, establishment it was, it was early. episode. But, you know, he and Rose are like, you know, trapped in the basement and all of the right, uh, creatures right. are after them. And the doctor literally has no way of figuring it out. And he, you know, I'm sorry, Rose. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad it, you know, it... it if if it has to end here, I'm glad I'm with you. And, you know, Rose, she doesn't have – it's not a pep talk, but she at least lets him know, you know, we're good. You know, if this is the way it's got to be, I'm glad it was with you. You know, and then Dickens comes down and fixes everything for them. Um, so there was a bit of that, I think, going on here with, you know, um, Jody's doctor is, you know, trying to figure out – and not thinking of anything that can be done – but the other three, all three of those friends together are like, you know, no, we're not going to give up. We're going to figure this out. Um, and I really liked that aspect of them not just, they're not even comforting her. They, they're the ones encouraging her the way she's been encouraging them. Uh, and I really liked the sort of full circle of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I could read it both ways. I could read it as... The doctor is using this as a down moment as a team building exercise, or that the show is using this moment as a team building exercise. And the, I think it's more the show. Yeah, I think I, I, I think there, I think that's a contrast with um, with Jody's doctor that 
right away, it feels like she's willing to be more honest about things. I mean, she may not know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on yet. She may be thinking too fast to communicate it right away. But it doesn't feel like she hides anything. You know, I think um, this is uh, before we get to the big TARDIS reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what you say there makes me want to mention one of my little pet theories. So I, th- I feel like sometimes there uh, intentionally or unintentionally, there is a there is this kind of like um, it's like hearkening back. There's like a thematic thing about the doctor mm-hmm. progressing through lives and, mm-hmm. and the show sometimes does it just as a function of trying to indicate that it's got continuity. And then sometimes I think it's more, ala- more uh, specific and, and sometimes it's elaborate and it's, and it's more purposeful. Um, an example would be, I feel like Peter Capaldi's, doctor is Mm -hmm. not just a reaction to matt smith being young and so they cast an older character Mm -hmm. but i feel like throughout the capaldi era and you're gonna have to take my word for some of this um there the references to the first doctor well before he meets the first doctor in his last episode are there are so many and drawing Hmm. that parallel like he is also a cranky guy who's older and has Mm -hmm. gray hair kind of like the first doctor like like that's right that's like stephen moffat's driving a line like uh maybe even saying well matt smith got new regenerations so therefore he is kind of a new first doctor. new first doctor right and i felt like i whether that was intentional or not I found it useful when watching Peter Capaldi to sort of like keep thinking through mm-hmm. that lens, you know, watching the show and being like, yeah, no, what are they doing here? And so that, that's a long way of saying, I, I wonder, leaving aside the issue of new showrunner and the fact that there's, a, as always, a new lead actor and mm-hmm. the gender issue with having Jodie Whittaker playing the doctor. After two episodes, I also feel like some of it is just is literally in to take it from inside the text of the show. Peter Capaldi is has been cranky. He doesn't even want to go on. Right. He finally decides why not have another life, gives a rousing speech about Mm -hmm. all of his fundamental principles of being a hero as the doctor. Right. And hands the baton to Jodie Whittaker. And looking through... I mean, I read some of her behavior as being very much the doctor having decided, oh, right, I should be kind and mm-hmm. uh, caring because right. I was I was so mean to Clara and, yeah. was, and Bill. Yeah, like she's like she's living the manifesto <laughs> right, at the moment. Right. And yeah. I don't know whether that's intentional or something that Chris Chibnall has thought about, but mm-hmm. I read that into the show that that this is this doctor and, and again, it could be just a an external reaction to the end of the Moffat era of like we need to do something different. But inside mm-hmm. the show, I also read it as working that the right. doctor realized Realized, Peter Capaldi's doctor realized that he needed to make a change and not be like he was the next time mm-hmm. around. And so Jody isn't. And right. I, and it totally works for me. Like, yeah, I, I, I can hold that and be like, this is the this is like Peter Capaldi's parting gift is don't don't be grumpy like me. <laughs> and so she's not <laughs> right. 
uh, which I enjoy. So the ghost monument is the TARDIS. And yes. uh, as they're standing on that rocky outcropping, thinking like, oh boy, no, 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 we're going to be good. We're going to figure it out. We're a team. Yay. Um, there is, of course, and the, wheezing, something. the wheezing sound of the TARDIS <laughs> yes. that, that Yaz says, "What? what is that? Yeah. And uh, this is when the doctor's like, oh. And, and we get also, again, directly addressing for the second time, in as many mm-hmm. episodes, the the fact that this is the first woman doctor. Yes. She says, I come laughed. to daddy. It's like, no, um, wait, mommy. Yes. Mommy, oh, God. Just give I me loved this. that. Right, right. Because that's that's <laughs> yes. the show saying, we know it's hard and pronouns are yeah. confusing and gender yeah. changing from ge- one gender to another is confusing. Even yeah. she is having trouble with it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud at that. Um, and also the, and the way she approached the TARDIS, I mean, the doctor has always cared about and loved the TARDIS Mm -hmm. as an entity. Um, and I think, you know, Jodie Whittaker struck such a good note, you know, approaching it and, you know, just like barely touching. It's like, oh my gosh, you've, you know, you've changed some things. Oh my gosh, I don't have my keys. Sorry. And, you know, I was expecting her to snap her fingers. I was expecting her to remember and go like, oh yeah, but I can do this. And she doesn't. She apologizes for having lost her key and the TARDIS pops open for Mm -hmm. her. (laughs) Little, uh, yeah. It's uh, the, the, uh, we get the, you look, you know, you changed your look a little mm-hmm. bit, which we, you, you know, you, you get yeah. those scenes, but as we'll call it out, right, that it's different. And the, and she mm-hmm. actually touches the panel, which is now uh, light text on a dark background instead of dark text on a light background, like it's basically mm-hmm. been since the new series. Um, yeah. And uh, the door pops open, which is really sweet, because one of my favorite relationships in the entire show is the Doctor and the TARDIS, that they mm-hmm. are they are the the oldest of friends. Right. And they are the they are the ultimate companion set. They go on together forever, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very sweet moment. And yes. then there's that other moment, which is okay. Like what? And I, what I really like is because the last time we saw the TARDIS, it was exploding, and there were papers mm-hmm. flying everywhere. And so yeah. she apologizes, and she's like, "No, no, we can all fit inside." Um, I left. Might it- be. A bit of a mess. Might be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> no, in fact, it is the completely new set because it's a new yes. show and a new showrunner and a new set designer and they built a whole new set, which is very crystally instead of mm-hmm. kind of corally, but it still really reminded me of the Christopher Reckleston, David me Tennant too. era, right? Me too. It's got archy. Mm-hmm. It, it's, cor- it's crystal instead of coral, but it's still kind of like the big arches yeah. with the thing in the center and on, yeah. on kind and of one level. And there's some synergy there, apparently, because, you know, it looks a little bit like her Sonic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, isn't that uh, coincidence? Yeah. That's lovely. But no, it's it's. Um, I'm happy to have it feel a little bit more like that console room because I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I feel like the new series has gone on long enough now that it's it it can do nostalgic references to itself instead right. of just the classic series, which is wow. That's we've been yeah. here a long time now. It's 13 years. They can do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I wanted to note about the about the new set is. Um, after the whole um, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi kind of eras of they've been commenting on the lack of the the roundels in the tar in the TARDIS that mm-hmm. were there in the classic series. Oh, I miss the round things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the from the original design in 2005, it's been very much uh, hexagons. So right. Jodie Whittaker's uh, TARDIS is made up of hexagons with circles inside them. <laughs> Thereby giving them the hexes that have been around for 13 years, as well mm-hmm. as the round things everywhere. And mm-hmm. then there's kind of crisscrossing happening inside it, which I thought was just very, very clever. And mm-hmm. it's a way to say this is, yes, this is the TARDIS. And then the console dispenses a cookie, 
which a custard cream apparently, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that, that appears to have been something uh like when they took jody whitaker around uh there was like this little tiny short that the bbc released about uh the set builder and constructing the new tardis um they gave her a lot of more physical things to move rather than just type on a keyboard and push buttons yeah so there was a lot of levers and things shifting around uh, again more like the chris eccleston and david Tennant time um but yeah uh, apparently the set designer designed it so that yeah push that pedal and you know you get a custard cream it's a cookie dispenser also there is a tar- there's like a crystal tardis that is there right. that spins which is yeah. kind of weird and hilarious um, i mean but- that looks like something i have on my computer one right. of those uh, you know light from the bottom uh sculpture things yeah i'm sure those will be available in stores very soon uh but yeah it's it's cute and it's Mm -hmm. always fun to see people do their interpretation you know 50 years plus of doctor who you end up with the interpretations of what does a doctor who set look like like Mm -hmm. what and we've seen a bunch in the modern series now where they've had the budget to build this thing and they all have a little bit of a different take and so this this is a different one but um you know, we only get a little bit of it, but uh, it mm-hmm. works for me. I'm excited to see more of it. It's it's uh, yeah. nice to get the the crystal arches and stuff like that. The the center console with like a big crystal coming out of it is kind of uh, that that was a little bit weirder to me, but I'll get used to it. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we've got a few more episodes. It's all we'll adjust. I I still I I mean I was watching the eleventh hour a couple um mm-hmm. a couple weeks back, and I still that that uh, like blown glass center uh-huh. console thingy that Matt Smith had. Mm, right, I've never. I I never got used to that. I was like, no, <laughs> no, that doesn't, that's wrong. Don't know. Okay. Um, oh, uh, so before we go, uh, mm-hmm. one more thing to talk about, which is we got to see the full opening theme song and opening yes. credits this time. Yes. Uh, what did you, what did you think? How, how'd they do? Uh, I liked it. Um, yeah. I, I thought it worked. I, I really like the, the new font, the, the new letters that, uh, appeals to me. And, mm-hmm. um, overall it worked, uh, very well for me. I kind of like, uh, the fact that they sort of went back to more simple, a more simple intro, uh, compared to, I think there's at some point between Smith and Capaldi that they went for like all of these clocks or something. Yes. Like, that was the, the, going through the Capaldi time era, era was all clocks leading Julian yeah. to declare, wow, a lot less clocks. <laughs> Which is yeah, like a hundred percent less clock. There are no, there are no clocks, yes. and, and this all. In fact, there's no TARDIS, which is right. I believe the first time in the new series where the opening credits have not had a TARDIS in it. Okay, and I don't know whether that's because this episode we don't we don't see the TARDIS, and will they be like aha? But we did one with the TARDIS, then you'll see it next week. I don't know. I assume not. Could be. And I um, don't know. I and I also like that it's just it it uh, blacks out, and then you get the episode title, and then it goes into mm-hmm. the episode. I I like that there there were a lot of cutesy attempts in the Moffat era, and they backed off of it a little bit. Cutesy mm-hmm. attempts to integrate the TARDIS and the TARDIS doors and and the yeah. title of the episode and like in this one it runs um it has the it has a couple of producer credits over mm-hmm. the opening titles which is also uh which is also new um right. there's no sign of jody which they had done with matt smith and peter capaldi they try to harken back to the classic series and put okay. a visual in they no sign of that and it was it's like a um kind of cosmic blob but a little bit like an ink blot and a little bit mirrored and uh mm-hmm. but it but still felt very doctor who to me um yeah. shout out to ben pickles the new title sequence designer who is a fan who has been a doctor who fan for a long time and <laughs> he, in a facebook post said uh uh 
I'm, I used to post YouTube fan videos, and now I made the Doctor Who opening sequence. <laughs> it's amazing. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the Peter Capaldi sequence was based on a fan vid, too. So right. um, we've already we've already been been here a little bit. But anyway, I, I thought that was good. And um, music-wise, I mean, I, I've liked the music. I felt like mm-hmm. as much as I have been amazed over the last 15 years about Murray Gold being able to do lots of different musical styles, like, I don't right. think that... The, the show hasn't sounded the same for 15 years, but having a new composer, I feel mm-hmm. like the music has been really good. And yeah. I like the opening sequence because the opening sequence has gone back kind of like in 2005, has gone back to basics where they've right. very obviously taken the radiophonic workshop stuff and used mm-hmm. it as the basis. And then they've added percussion yeah. and they've added some other stuff, but they're using those source tracks and integrating mm-hmm. them much more into the whole. And, uh, you know, maybe they branch out from there as future seasons go on, but I I think they're back to basics. I liked it. I think it works. That that theme song is so iconic, but it's also so super weird. Even 55 years later, I think you can mm-hmm. get away with it using it as the basis of your theme song because it's just, it's like nothing else. It is a weird alien sound, always mm-hmm. has been. So I was happy that they that they yeah. brought it back a little bit. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so so far the music, I, I've noticed it when I'm supposed to notice it. And then when I'm not necessarily supposed to notice it, I haven't. It, it's working so far for me. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Good. It's all good. Well, so yeah. two down, eight more to go. Yep. Uh more more next week. Next week is the uh is the Rosa Parks. Yes, episode. I'm going to be really interested to see how that one works. Everybody every, yeah. everybody's walking on eggshells a little bit. I'm like, okay, you could do this right or you could really screw this up. Uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens, but uh I think everybody's holding on to the quantum leap kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like the, the time travel back to this era has been done well on TV mm-hmm. and could be again and we'll just have yeah. to wait and see. But that's next time yep shannon thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be on the doctor who flashcast for the very first time you're very welcome glad to be here and uh people should check out uh the voltron legendary defender podcasts that are under the tv feed at the incomparable yep. and if you have if you have watched babylon 5 or even haven't and should start <laughs> check out the audio guide yeah. to babylon 5 which shannon you did with yes. chip and erica and you're in mm-hmm. your uh, kind of like interregnum period where you've done the main show you're going to come back for some specials at some point yeah but- I-, I have a feeling that we're gonna that we're gonna concentrate on doctor who and then when yeah. th- when this season is over we'll pick things back yeah, up sometimes next year i mean yeah there's, there's time but you you have covered all of the the main show yes. episodes of the main Babylon Five show. So if people yes, are a fan of that, is, I, I, or I, not, if if you've ever wanted to try the, it, we designed right. it with you all in mind. The There's whole, a spoiler free and then a spoiler full section. We tell you when to stop listening if you don't want to know what's happening yeah. next. So if you if you are new, you should check it out and listen along. And if you haven't watched it in a while, I would highly recommend, especially now that it's on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, do a rewatch with the podcast, and you'll get the first segments of the podcast are all about sort of like what you saw on the screen. And then the second segment, the uh, spoiler space, will remind you of all the things that are yet to come, which is yep. great if, you, uh, if you've if you already seen it and are just doing a rewatch. I love that podcast. It was one of my very favorites. It was very sad when you got to the end, but it was a great five-year run, just like the original yeah. was. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this. Doctor Who Flashcast will be back next week, maybe a little later than usual. There's some travel going on there, but we'll be back and we'll watch next week's episode and then we'll uh, talk about it because that's what we do here. I have been your host, Jason Snell. Goodbye. Doctor Who